There's been a lot of questions surrounding Notre Dame's wide receiver room as of late now that Chris Tyree has moved over, Caleb Smith has retired, and Lorenzo Styles might switch to cornerback. But personally, I think these moves represent a very encouraging development for the group as a whole, and I'll tell you why coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Irish. It is Tuesday, April 18th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. As always, you can watch the show on YouTube or listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are watching on YouTube, please like the video below and subscribe to the channel. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate the show five stars, subscribe, and even leave a review if you're feeling extra kind on this Tuesday. My name is Tyler Wojcik, and I am the host. I've been a huge Notre Dame fan for my entire life. I graduated from the university in 2018, and since then, I've been covering college football first for ESPN, and now at the Fox Sports headquarters in Los Angeles. And we've got a loaded show today. I'm really excited about this one. This is the final week of spring practice for Notre Dame, which will officially come to an end after the blue and gold game on Saturday. The Irish had a full scrimmage this past Saturday inside the stadium. And even though the media wasn't in attendance, we got to hear from Marcus Freeman, Jared Parker, and Al Golden afterwards. So we have a pretty decent idea of what went down on the field Saturday. We also got some updates on the quarterback competition as both Freeman and Parker explained that they're not in any rush to name a starter at this point in time. Plus, Caleb Smith, the grad transfer from Virginia Tech, announced he is medically retiring from the game of football, and we got a little bit more clarity on Lorenzo Styles' potential move to corner. Then on Monday, Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports and Irish Illustrated broke the news that Notre Dame would be hiring Arkansas General Manager Butler Benton as its next director of player personnel. So there's a ton of stuff I want to get to today, but let's start with Caleb Smith in the state of the Notre Dame wide receiver room. So last Wednesday, Notre Dame had a full practice open to the media, and two of the most notable things coming out of that involved the wide receivers. Caleb Smith, the grad transfer, was not in attendance, and Lorenzo Styles was getting a few reps at cornerback. Independently, those two things are pretty noteworthy, but when you consider them together, it becomes even more interesting. But let's focus on Caleb Smith first. Once word got out that he wasn't at practice due to personal reasons, I saw some people on the message boards immediately suggest that he quit the team. And normally, I wouldn't give any credence to message board rumors. Like, message boards are accessible, um, but I will admit they're, they're highly entertaining and they can be hilarious in like a sick, twisted sort of way, but they're not always a great source for credible information or intellectual discussion. I think that's fair to say the least. But this felt a little different. Uh, there was enough smoke surrounding Caleb's situation that made me think there might be something to these rumors. Then on Saturday, Caleb took to Twitter to make an official announce that he was retiring from the game of football. His announcement was basically a love letter to the game, but the most telling part reads like this, quote, After countless hours of prayer and thought, I believe my time playing the game has passed. What is more important to me now is my future after football, and to achieve that, I must focus on my mental and physical health, which has taken a great toll throughout the years, end quote. And I'm going to be honest, my first thought while I was reading this was, I, feel, I really feel for Caleb. Walking away from the game you love so much and one that you sacrificed so much for is incredibly difficult. And considering how excited and hopeful he sounded about the opportunity to play for Notre Dame when he transferred over just a couple months back, I think we all understand that he didn't come to this decision lightly and it was probably a very difficult process to get to this point. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, I was really high on Caleb Smith going into the spring. I saw what he did well at Virginia Tech. He caught a lot of deep balls, back shoulder fades, and I thought he would be the perfect guy for Sam Hartman to throw to in this offense, especially considering those guys are friends and have a history together. So here's what I said a few weeks ago with Tyler Horka when we were discussing our bold predictions before spring ball started. Take a listen. I think 
Caleb Smith, uh, the transfer from Virginia Tech, will be the clear wide receiver number one by the end of spring practice. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> no going around it. That was an absolutely freezing cold take out of me, and I deserve to be made fun of after that. That's not quite at the level of Colin Coward saying that Ben Simmons was better than LeBron James a few years ago. I've seen that clip circulating around Twitter lately, and I, I love Colin, for the record. Um, but sometimes that's what happens in the take game, and now I'm guilty of being egregiously wrong as well. Going to have to watch some film, sharpen up my game, iron sharpens iron, all of that. Um, in all seriousness, though, it sounds like Caleb's got some stuff going on in his personal life, and I think the jump from Virginia Tech to Notre Dame was a little bit more than he expected. Based on some conversations I've had with people who I trust, it sounds like Caleb Smith was simply not as good as the other receivers on the roster. And considering he made the decision to transfer to Notre Dame to maximize his last year of eligibility and then give him the best chance at playing in the NFL, he probably realized that if he can't get on the field at Notre Dame, he's surely not going to make it on the field in the NFL, and he made the decision to retire. There's no point for him to stick it out for another year on a team he just joined if he's going to be buried on the bench and not improve his draft stock, so I get it. I'm sure his quality of life will be a lot better if he's not playing football and can get a head start in the rest of his life than dealing with that. So best of luck to him going forward. And then as for the other receiver, Lorenzo Styles. Marcus Freeman kind of downplayed the move at first because he mentioned that Styles did only get one rep at corner during one-on-ones while the media was in attendance for that practice last Wednesday. But then not long after that, Jared Parker and Al Golden both said that they'd love to have him on their side of the ball and that the final decision regarding that move would be imminent. So at the very least, we should be getting an official word here soon. But to me... The most telling part in all of this was that Freeman admitted that he told Lorenzo the road to where he wants to get to is bumpy on either side of the ball. Now, that is interesting because I think I, like a lot of you, thought that moving Lorenzo to corner would essentially mean he's not going to see the field until 2024 at the earliest because of who's on the depth chart and how much he has to learn at the position in order to play it at the college level. I mean, Notre Dame has plenty of good corners right now. Even if they're worried about Cam Hart not being available because of his injury history, they've still got plenty of good options there who've been playing cornerback throughout their time in Notre Dame, including Jaden Mickey, Clarence Lewis, Chance Tucker, Ryan Barnes. They're all good backup options that you would think would be better positioned to play than Styles, certainly this season and looking beyond uh, as well. But if Freeman is saying it's just as bumpy on offense, then I think that tells you where Styles is on the depth chart at wide receiver. So this is who Notre Dame has been running out there with the ones at wide receiver so far. Tobias Merriweather at the field receiver, Deion Colsey on the boundary, and then Jaden Thomas in the slot. That makes sense. We've seen these guys before. And then behind them, we've seen Rico Flores at the, as the number two receiver on the field side, Braylon James in the boundary, and Chris Tyree in the slot. And then behind those guys, but who are also in the mix, are Matt Salerno, who'll be used more as like a blocker. And then you got true freshman Jane Greathouse, who's impressed during spring ball so far. And then another true freshman, K.K. Smith, who will be joining the team this summer. With the loss of Caleb Smith, the Virginia Tech one, the grad transfer, Notre Dame is now down to 10 scholarship receivers, including Styles. And if Styles were to make the move to cornerback permanently, then they're down to nine. That's important because last year, Chancey Stuckey went on the record saying that he wants 10 scholarship receivers in his room to be able to do everything that he wants to do. So why would Chancey Stuckey be okay with losing another scholarship receiver after he just lost the transfer that he brought in to help the room? I think it's because he really loves what he's seeing from their freshman receivers. I think they're really good. And further along in their development than even Stucky probably expected. Now, I'm sure that if Stucky had his choice, he'd want Styles to stay at receiver because it gives him more guys to work with. But if Styles is making the type of progress we were hoping for and was clearly a top wide receiver, 
then this move wouldn't even be an option. Like, there is no way they would even entertain the notion of a position change if they thought Styles was going to be a big-time contributor at receiver this season because that would just be a waste of time for everyone. Like I said before, Notre Dame is solid at cornerback. Like, this isn't a desperate move to fill a need at a position. If they were going to do that, they'd probably do it at safety, but that's not the case here. I look at this situation in the same way I look at what happened with Caleb Smith. I think Lorenzo Siles is simply getting passed up by the younger guys at the position, and that's a good thing for the Notre Dame offense. And look, I know how bad Siles was last year. The drops were inexcusable, and he rarely showed the skills that made us so excited when we saw him come on during the second half of his freshman season in 2021. But he was still second among the wide receivers in yards and second on the team in receptions. So if everyone else behind him has already jumped him, I think that says more about them than it does about Styles. Now, the counter to this would be that Styles' game has completely fallen off a cliff and he's completely regressed as a player. That could be true. And maybe his confidence is completely shot. But I don't think that's what's going on here. We know he's a really great athlete. I saw it. You saw it. We all saw it. This isn't a rumor coming out of spring practice or anything like that. Lorenzo Styles had eight catches for 136 yards against one of the best defenses in college football in 2021 when he went off in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State. That happened, okay? Like, we saw it. And I have to believe that he's developed his game at least somewhat in the year and a half since, especially working with Chancey Stuckey, who we all believe is a really quality receivers coach and one that is much better than Dell Alexander. With that in mind, I think this has more to do with the other guys in the room than it does with Styles because Jane Thomas showed throughout the end of last year that he's a guy who can be counted on, and it sounds like Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey have developed their games enough to be the clear top options on the outside. Plus, you've got a speedster like Chris Tyree who's becoming more acclimated to playing receiver, and it looks like he's already jumped styles. And if these freshmen, who undoubtedly still have a lot to learn at the position, if they've already got what it takes to move past two upperclassmen on the depth chart who, at worst, prove they can be serviceable starting receivers at the Power 5 level, just imagine how much better they're going to be in the future. I'm not saying these freshman wide receivers are going to come in this season and dominate because I've learned my lesson I'm not going to get my hopes up on, on any true freshman wide receiver at Notre Dame coming in and starting from day one and being a regular contributor, at least early on in the season. But that doesn't mean they can't be counted on as great backup options at the start and then progress into starting roles at the later part of the season. And look, there's still a chance that Siles stays at wide receiver. That's great, too, because then Notre Dame has the number of guys they want at the position. And no matter what you think of how Styles played last season, if he's your seventh or eighth option, that's a very healthy place for the receiver room to be in because Notre Dame didn't even have seven receivers total all of last season, at least seven scholarship wide receivers. So I don't want to make a bigger deal out of this than it needs to be, but I'm feeling really good about the receivers right now, especially the young ones, because these moves aren't even on the table if the young guys haven't already shown that they can really play. All right, coming up next, why are Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker waiting to announce the starting quarterback? Grand slams, no-hitters, and double plays are back, and there's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. Don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. This is your reminder to subscribe to the show. And for the everydayers out there, be sure to tune in to tomorrow's show, which I believe will include Luke Smith. So that should be a lot of fun, as always. All right, let's shift gears now to the quarterbacks. And I think a lot of people are wondering, why is Marcus Freeman waiting to announce who the starting quarterback is going to be if we all think it's going to be Sam Hartman? So 
Adam Rittenberg, a writer for ESPN, was in South Bend this past weekend to write a column, and he spoke with Freeman about the quarterback competition. And here's what Freeman had to say, quote, The longer you can have a competition, the better as long as it's making each other better. You want to keep it going as long as you can. We won't name a starter until we believe there's a clear-cut starter. Right now, it's a great competition, and I can foresee this going into the fall. End quote. Now, I'm sure a lot of Rittenberg's readers were stunned when they heard this because they know that Hartman was arguably the most sought-after player in the transfer portal this offseason. But this shouldn't be a surprise if you've been following Notre Dame spring practice so far. And I know that you, the listener, is smart. You've been paying attention. You know what's going on. Sam Hartman's situation has been a little bit rocky. When he came to Notre Dame, he thought he was going to be playing for Tommy Reese. That didn't happen, okay? And then we all know what happened with the offensive coordinator search, and then it took Notre Dame forever to announce Gino Gadulli as the quarterback's coach, which I, I'll never really understand why they take so long to announce the assistant coaches. Like, why does the process have to take so long? Anyway, back to the point here. Sam Hartman's development at Notre Dame was stunted by that a little bit. And then he comes into Notre Dame, he starts doing spring practice, and he's learning an entirely different system than the one he was playing in at Wake Forest. I think a lot of people say, okay, well, he was in a slow mesh. Like, how different could that be with a pro-style offense? He never went under center, ever. <laughs> like, that just wasn't a part of the situation there at Wake Forest. Now he's doing that on a regular basis. Plus, they never huddled. And now Notre Dame doesn't huddle every snap, but it's still part of it. Like, it's just different. And he's learning it with two new coaches, one Gino Gadulli as the quarterback's coach, and then another Jared Parker as the OC. And even if the offense is pretty similar to what Tommy Reese was going to run with Hartman, he's still got to learn it all with a different guy than he anticipated. And then Tyler Buckner, on the other hand, he's been awesome. Like, if you think about it, he kind of has a new lease on life now because He's not the guy anymore because Sam Hartman has uh, come in and sort of assumed that role. And everyone, I think the pressure has been taken off Tyler Buckner a lot. And plus, he knows the offense really well. This is his third spring practice. He's been around. He gets it. He has timing with all of the wide receivers right now. We've been over this before. So it makes sense that the situation with the quarterbacks is where it is right now. But I will say this competition, it only really works if both guys are in on it and they understand the situation. And so far... Tyler Buckner and Sam Hartman, to their credit, have said all of the right things. They seem to be really getting along. They hang out outside of football, and they understand that this is a competition. And even though Tyler Buckner, who was going to be the starter last season and was until he just completely destroyed his shoulder in that Marshall game, he has had the perfect attitude so far, at least publicly. And I don't think he's the type of guy that would, you know, say one thing and then do another, at least not in this instance. But the fact is, those guys are handling the situation really well, and I think that goes a long way for both of them in their time in Notre Dame because Tyler Buckner could be a great resource for Sam Hartman. And the way I look at it right now is the only real benefit to naming a starter at this point in time would be because you want to give that person all the reps with the ones, and it also allows them the opportunity to take control as a leader throughout the summer. But how valuable is that compared to having two really quality starting or two really quality quarterbacks, I should say? I'd rather have the latter because if you do name Hartman the starter right now and he hasn't earned it, one, I think that sends a really weird message to the rest of the team that he was basically just given the job over someone who's been around the program and who, and who certainly has a claim to it at this point in time. And you're basically giving Hartman the job based on what he did in a, at another school. And while that's very important, I think it's crucial to why we all think so highly of Hartman and what he's going to be able to do at Notre Dame this season. You can't do that at Notre Dame. Like you can't just have a guy come in and then immediately announce him the starter if he hasn't earned it. Now, you don't want to string Buckner along either if he's clearly not good enough to start, but clearly that's not been the case. We've heard plenty of great stuff about what Buckner has been able to do throughout spring practice. Now, eventually you're going to have to name a guy. 
Like we can't we can't be doing the 2016 thing all over again when Brian Kelly refused to name a clear guy before game one, even though it became clear right away in that Texas game that Deshaun Kaiser was better than Malik Zaire. I think these things work themselves out over time, and we're already starting to see it a little bit. Um, I believe Pete Sampson said it today that Sam Hartman looked really, really good in that practice on Saturday when the media wasn't in attendance uh, when they are doing I think Marcus Freeman said it was like 90 plays on offense, so that's really encouraging. Um, you certainly want to hear that if you're Notre Dame. Obviously, we'd all like to see it first. Like, I really want to see Sam Hartman tear it up in practice or, you know, whenever we finally get to see that happen. Uh, but that's obviously better than not hearing it at all. And I think Notre Dame is in a really good spot right now with the quarterbacks. And I have no problem at all with Marcus Freeman and Jared Parker waiting to announce who the starter is going to be, even if it takes until fall camp. Last year, Tyler Buckner was named the starter, I believe, after one week in a fall camp, even though everyone knew that he was going to be the starting quarterback over Drew Pine. And even if you think you know the result, and I think we all believe that Sam Hartman is eventually going to be named the starting quarterback. If you don't let him earn that on his own, you open the door to a bunch of negatives. It sends the wrong message to everyone in that room. It sends the wrong message to the team, and it creates for a really awkward environment. And that could be the reason why Tyler Buckner were to leave if that uh, were to happen like that. So let Sam Hartman earn it. Let Tyler earn it if he does it. And just let the chips fall where they may, and the team will be much better off for it in the long run. All right, coming up at segment three, how Notre Dame's new director of player personnel, Butler Benton, can help the football program thrive in the modern era. Okay, so on Monday, Tom Loy from Irish Illustrated and 24-7 Sports broke the news that Notre Dame was going to hire Butler Benton as their next director of player personnel. Benton comes from Arkansas, where he was serving as their general manager, and even though the titles are different, my understanding is that the positions and the responsibilities are going to be pretty similar to what he was doing with the Razorbacks. Benton is considered an excellent scout and will be crucial in monitoring the transfer portal. Benton has been with Arkansas for the past two years, and before that, he was the director of player personnel for Georgia Southern, and prior to that, he spent four seasons as the player personnel coordinator at Michigan State. He even spent one year at Notre Dame way back in 2013, uh, through 2014 as an assistant director of player development, engagement, and academic enhancement. Um, that, that's how his role was described in his bio. I'm not sure if that's his actual title. If his title was actually that long, that's that's kind of insane. We need to get that figured out in our name because that is just way too long for any rational human being. Um, but funny enough, Ben actually played running back at Cincinnati in the mid-2000s under Brian Kelly. So the Cincinnati to Notre Dame pipeline continues to flourish. Benton is replacing Dave Poloquin, who is now in a different role within the university, and he will also take on some of the responsibilities that Bill Reese had as the director of scouting before he left once Tommy Reese took the job uh, at Alabama. But based on what I've read, Benton will be used most effectively when it comes to the transfer portal, and this is very important for Notre Dame, considering how important the portal has become throughout college football. And now... I don't want this to seem like Notre Dame is going to change its stance on undergraduate transfers all of a sudden. Frankly, I don't know if or when that's ever going to change. We know Notre Dame is very particular about the first year of studies program that all undergraduate students go through at the university. And frankly, it creates a lot of problems for, for students trying to transfer in. That's quite literally why they created the Gateway Program with Holy Cross. If you're unfamiliar with the Gateway Program, it's basically a one-year trial run now for students who didn't get into Notre Dame but were very close. And they're usually uh, the son or daughter of a legacy. And basically what you do is you do your freshman year at Holy Cross. If you get a 3.5 GPA, that, I believe that's what it was when I was a freshman, um, if you do that and you take one class at Notre Dame, so you're kind of a student, like you even have a Notre Dame student ID and you get some perks. It's a really it's a weird situation. But anyway, if you satisfy all the requirements, you will be admitted into Notre Dame. It's like a guaranteed 
binding agreement, but those students count towards the transfer admissions. And when I was a freshman at Holy Cross, I was not in the Gateway program, but there was around 20 to 25 Gateway students at the time. Now I've heard that number is up to 70 or something crazy like that, which is kind of nuts because Holy Cross's entire population is like 500 students. So they're taking up a big chunk of that entire college at this point. But anyway, all those students, the reason why Notre Dame is doing this, whether or not they say it or not, it's they're basically creating a transfer pipeline. Like if they're going to lose some students after their freshman year and they transfer out of Notre Dame, they want the incoming freshman to be as close to the university as they possibly can. So that's basically the purpose of the Gateway program. And that just kind of shows you the mindset the school has when it comes to just any transfers. And frankly, that complicates things with the football players as well, or any athlete who'd like to undergrad or transfer as an undergraduate into university. But what this does do is it designates a person to monitoring, monitoring the portal at all times and finding the guys who can get into the school and can contribute to the team. Because much like recruiting guys out of high school, Notre Dame is operating with a smaller margin of error. Just look at the Caleb Smith situation. Like, I, I, I hate to say it, but that was a miss in the evaluation. Um, Notre Dame can only accept so many transfers. They're probably going to be grad transfers. So the amount of transfers they can even consider is smaller to begin with. So they have to hit on these guys when they take a chance at them. Now, I shouldn't say this is specific to Notre Dame either because I think a lot of schools deal with this. They take a shot on some transfers. They bring them in. Some of them hit. Some of them don't. It, it just it happens. And I think Cade Madden is a good example. Coming out of Marshall, he was a really great player for them. And he was getting All-American honors in the preseason. And at, by all accounts, he was going to kill it at Notre Dame. And then we saw pretty early on that that adjustment going from Marshall to Notre Dame, it, it was steeper than a lot of us had hoped for. But that, that's just what happens. Like, you can't always tell how well a player is going to make that move, especially if they're coming from a smaller program like Marshall to Notre Dame. So anyway, if you have a guy like this, a guy like Benton who can monitor the situation and he's – spending all of his time devoted to monitoring the guys in the portal, evaluating them, trying to find the right fits at Notre Dame. I think that's really encouraging for Notre Dame because Benton checks all of the boxes. He worked in various capacities for Georgia Southern head coach Chad Lunsford, including recruiting and high school relations, and then at Michigan State. He was very involved in the eva evaluation process as well as working on the program's overall recruiting process. So he has some experience with high school recruiting as well. And when he was at Notre Dame, he is said to have assisted in developing the players' intellectual development social development, and spiritual development. Frankly, I have no idea what that means. It sounds very Notre Dame-y, though. So that's a plus. I guess he's familiar with the university. Um, that's always good because we know that when people come to Notre Dame, it's just very different than every school. The way they operate, especially with the football program, it's just different than other top programs in college football. So it's great to have someone who's at least familiar with the school, the standard, and the expectation at Notre Dame. So I think overall, this is really encouraging. He's got he's receiving rave reviews from everyone who's been covering this hire. Um, so I'm really excited to see how this works out. This is a guy who played the game. He knows how to evaluate talent and has spent time at the university already and understands the place. And I'm excited to see what he's able to do for the program in the years to come. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Thanks again for making this your first listen of the day. Every day, just remember to tune in to tomorrow's episode with Luke Smith. And if you're new to the program, please subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the podcast. And give us a follow on Twitter at LockdownIrish, on Instagram at LockdownIrishPod, or my personal Twitter account at Tyler Wojak. That's at Tyler, W-O-J-C-I-A-K. I'll see you guys tomorrow.